The Auburn offense found a way to score over 30 points on the road against an SEC team, but how much time did it buy Brian Harson? Well, Zach, I, I actually just finished crushing some chicken farm, and I am, I am freaking ready to rock and roll. You are Locked On Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, welcome on into Locked On Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blackerby, and thank you so much for making Locked On Auburn your first listen every single day. It's the morning after, so that means we are joined by Montgomery Radio vet, Daryl Daprich, as we are every single Sunday morning. Daryl, Auburn loses to Ole Miss, but... They were able to score points. They scored points in the first half. They scored points in the second half, but still just not in the same ballpark when it's all said and done. Yeah, you know, there's a narrative that this year Ole Miss's defense was a little bit better and that Auburn was going to struggle scoring points. But something about seeing Ole Miss on a helmet for Tank Bigsby and some of the Auburn players really light them up. I think the offensive line – I actually saw Robbie Ashford have time to throw, survey the field in in the pocket, which was very foreign to me. Of course, Tank Bigsby goes off for 179. So credit to the Auburn offense. Jeremiah Wright, I thought, was a nice little addition to the offensive line. There was balance. How about that? 17 in the first half, 17 in the second half. But when you watch Ole Miss's offense and when you saw them come right out of the gate, run it down Auburn's throat, and then not get that fourth down conversion, you had the feeling that Auburn had to get into the 40s to have a chance to win the game. They didn't, and I think they could have had they threw the ball a little more effectively. Right, and you mentioned Robbie actually had time in the pocket. There were times where he had a clean pocket and still rolled out. So it um, Old habits are hard to break, man. I think that's that's instinct, yeah. Yeah, with that historically bad O-line, you can't – I'm not blaming him at all. Um, But there was a lot of – I mean, it was a weird game. Daryl, like the benching of Robbie for a drive and then him coming back and then like the the TV broadcast talking about even though Auburn scored, they got into like an argument uh, on the sideline after they finally got some positive momentum going. Weird game. Very, very odd game. There were some tip passes. Some of them resulted in interceptions in Auburn's favor. Um, some of them in, in Ole Miss's favor. Just an all-around odd game. But to me, the biggest thing, and we could talk about passing inefficiency in this offense and all of that, because I, 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 you can't argue against it. But still, there were just some things that I thought were peculiar about it. Like, they come out of the lightning delay, and I believe Auburn ran 12 plays, Daryl. And you mentioned who had a great game, Tank Bixby. One of his best games in his Auburn career, I think. If you wanted to say it was his best one, I wouldn't argue with you. He didn't touch the ball. And it, it's just time and time again, late in close games, and not that this one was really that close, but it's just he's having the best game. He's by far your hottest hand, and you're not scheming things to Tank. It's just, it's weird. It's weird to me. And then also how they handled it with like, Why are you calling a timeout at all in that Mm -hmm. scenario? Like you're coming out of a rain delay where you had 30 plus minutes to kind of scheme things up. And uh, if you in theory score, you need those timeouts. So it's just one of those things where it's like, even though you're scoring points consistently, 
it still feels like, Daryl, the game just gets away from this coaching staff at times. Yeah, it's it's situational football. Let me say this. I get the whole concept of you're down two scores with six minutes to go. You've already burned a timeout, so you're down to two. I think that's probably why they did not hand the ball to Tank or get the sure. ball to Tank because you know, you've got to throw it. You got to get downfield quick. And if you have an incomplete pass, at least it stops the clock. But that doesn't mean but, but that doesn't mean you still can't every once in a while mix in a run with Tank. I, go pass heavy, but then Try to pop him like he did through the line. Or or guess what? There's no law against throwing the ball to Tank. Wow. Now, I know we tried it in the first half, and that was one of what I consider to be three in a, in a game where it was a two-score game. The three biggest plays of the game to me that I think completely changed the complexion was the missed screen pass that as we're doing this, this pod, Tank Bigsby would have run by your window still right now if had they thrown that ball to him. He'd still be running. Sure. Um, the onside kick, which Auburn was not prepared for, give Lane Kiffin credit, but that right side was a 20-yard cushion, and then Cam Brown didn't even – he Cam Newtoned it. He didn't even try to go out like, like in the Super Bowl. He just looked at it, okay? Mm. That's unacceptable. And then, of course, the, the pass interference call that has Auburn off the field on fourth down that they end up giving seven points. So those three plays ended up being huge in a two-score game. So offensively, there was some strange things and some peculiar peculiar things, like you say, that you'd want to go back and say, okay, the Tank Bigsby play was there just because you missed on it and it was intercepted. Go back to it again and see if this time you can just drop it in there and see what happens. It wasn't defended. Those are the kind of things that I think, yeah, that was execution, but you can go back to it. And I think you can use Tank on that last drive coming out of the timeout, not go heavy, on tank don't don't load up and just keep handing the ball but you know a draw if you come out and throw the ball a couple of times effectively and then they back off their linebackers and def- you know line, back up a little bit and you pop him through for 20 or 30 yards that's better than a pass and then just you know just get up sure. to the line of scrimmage and get ready to go go tempo you had six you had what five five minutes and 46 seconds to get two scores so i get the throwing and not get, being tank heavy on that last on that drive but I'm just saying mix him in a little bit. Yeah. Okay, so there were more positives in this one offensively, defensively, um, <laughs> defensively <laughs> not so much. I retweeted this tweet from Brandon Marcello during the game. He said, Auburn has tied a school record for most games allowing 40-plus points in a season with three, which is and it, it's strange because bad. But, but let me ask you this, and, and, I, and I want your opinion on this. Two things. Number one, it doesn't seem like Auburn's got that type of defense that, that's, that's doing that. I, I think the narrative has been, hey, the defense has played hard. They've kept Auburn in some games. If not for an anemic offense getting three and out and getting off the field quickly and Auburn being gassed, this defense could be special. So it's weird to me, isn't it, to you, that this defense has set that record? Because they don't seem like the kind of defense – that is an historically bad defense. Georgia, the Georgia game, yes. The Penn State game and the Ole Miss game, no. I don't think so. And we've just seen this before. Like We've seen good Auburn defenses be really good with bad Auburn offenses. Sadly, we've seen it more than we all would like. And so for them to, like, break earlier than we've seen past defenses and past teams do. I, I do think that's bad. It doesn't seem like they're historically bad, 
but statistically they are. So I agree with you to some extent, but there's just some of it. It's just like, why, why are we allowing stuff, you know, to, to get so open? And I think some of it too, and I, and I don't have this, this is just kind of eye test, but it seems like we're not forcing a whole lot of like bend, but don't break situations. Mm -hmm. I know Ole Miss kicked a field goal in the red zone and they had a good stop there, but it doesn't seem like that's happening as often as it probably should. And as often as it did, like during the, uh, the, the steel era. Right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, There there seems to me to be, first of all, I wouldn't, where I have in the past Mm -hmm. used the offense being inept. I cannot blame the offense for Auburn's defense playing the way they did this game. I think Auburn's offense gave them enough time on the sidelines, put some good drives together, scored enough points to not have them gassed. Right. But missed assignments, right? The the, the touchdown where uh, Evans came out of the backfield and, you know, was untouched. Oh, the, got the, to the, the linebackers aren't going to cover anything. And then the missed tackles. There's so, I mean, there was a, a reverse where Auburn could have stopped Ole Miss for a 16-yard loss Seriously, and they got an eight-yard loss, and and you don't think that matters? It does because it would, with an up, like, it would have set up a third and goal from like the twenty. Exactly. Instead, it was a third and goal from the eight, and I think they scored. I, yeah, they did. They went on that swing pass the next play. Yeah, that we were talking about. So see how see those those are what I call more point and play. I, yeah, and I don't mean this in an ugly way. Those are loser plays. Not that they're losers. I'm saying that it's what gets you beat. Those are the plays that you don't make. When you lose a game, and then when you when you win a game, you make those plays, and that's the fine line right now, razor thin, that Auburn is operating at. They can't make those plays. They miss the screen pass that would, like I said, that would have gone for a big game. They can't make the tackle to lose eighteen. It yeah. adds up, and when it adds up, it adds, especially two score game, it's big. So let's ask the question, and we'll address it in just a moment, Daryl. When should Auburn fans expect for Brian Harson to see the door? Did he do enough to kind of buy some time? We all said, okay, it's after the Ole Miss game. Let's see what happens there, or does it perhaps happen towards the end of the season? We'll address that question in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by Simply Safe. Look, we talked about the importance of having a good defense. Simply Safe is the best defense you could possibly have. For your home. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe Home Security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. And at Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe. We just recently moved into a new house. We got Simply Safe. And I'm not super great with setting stuff up, but their stuff, it's so easy to use. It's so easy to set up. They have a really good, easy to use app. And they kind of walk you through how to set everything up and the best places to put things in your home and, and all that. It's it's a great, great product. Very, very affordable. You can customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash locked on college. Save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on college to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. Daryl, the big question. Did Brian Harson and this Auburn football team do enough for him to save his job for a few more weeks? Okay, my answer to that would be, what did he do? And I want to be pretty deliberate when I say this. Okay. At the end of the day, I keep hearing the narrative and, and the argument for being things like, well, he didn't lose the team. They didn't quit on him. They played hard. So? So what? When has Auburn become 
a school that the standard is War Eagle, we try hard. That's not in the Auburn creed. We try hard. We don't quit. You're not supposed to quit. You're on scholarship. I don't care who the coach is. You play for pride. Mm -hmm. They may not care if Harson's there. They may want him gone. They're still going to play hard. They're athletes. They have pride. So the right. fact that they didn't lay down, we don't give participation trophies. This isn't upwards football. Mm. So so what if they played hard? The end of the day, he lost again. Two scores in a game that was winnable. Two scores, three and nine in his last 12. Mm -hmm. I don't care that he tries. I can get a truck driver to try. I, we, you got to see results, and they're not getting results. And at the end of the day, th this narrative that, well, it, look at how the players are fighting for him. I don't, I don't buy that. I think in this day and age with NIL, with the transfer portal, with you wanting to go somewhere else in a portal that has sometimes too many players and not enough schools, you better bust your butt and still play hard. Or if you go to the transfer portal, you're going to sit out there and not have anywhere to go. It's a different era with NIL and transfer portal. You play for yourself and your pride for your next school or the school you want to go to. Yeah. So and I don't care. I, I, it doesn't mean a, a hill of beans to me that they looked better. At the end of the day, it's results-oriented, and they still took that L. Right. And those three wins, one of them is Missouri, where if I think we all agree Auburn should have lost that game. It's great that they didn't, but they should have. Mm -hmm. And then Mercer and San Jose State, which are teams that you should and, blow out. And look, it did not look good. against. They blew out Mercer, but didn't look good yeah. in the second half. And San Jose State was one of the most frustrating football games. I'm like, why is this not a four-score game? And yeah, San Jose right. State was hanging around in the fourth quarter. Yeah, San they, Jose State. They were leading the half, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. so that – I mean, I again, you're right. Look at the big picture. We can't just take things, you know, in, in a vacuum. you got to look bird's eye view, look at the so, whole thing. So, so, so to keep this on track uh, about mm -hmm. this game specifically, Daryl, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I guess if I wanted to make an argument, because this narrative is out there, where everybody's saying, well, Brian Harson has left the team. He and these kids aren't trying anymore. Um, I think this game proved that that's false. Right? And now, yeah. is, that an, is that enough to keep his job? No. 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 But is it, is it enough to... I'm still in the mindset that you should keep him for the entire year. Or at least closer to the end of the season than now. Um, because the whole argument of getting rid of him was, oh, maybe you can win a game. I, I think if you play like you did on Saturday, you could beat Arkansas and Texas A&M. Yeah, but maybe if you play like you did on Saturday with some different offensive play calling and some different schematic things that helps you a little bit down the stretch, you do win that game. I mean, I, I just, again, I don't see anything going forward that can be an improvement by keeping him. Now, again, you can say, well, from last week to this week, Auburn improved. They, they played better. They improved offensively, but did they improve defensively? I mean, did they, did, they take, did they take a step back on missed assignments and gap control? And, you know, the coach that comes out and talks about in practice, effort and attitude can get you this, but it can't get you to fill the B gap. Well, you, you said it, and they didn't fill the B gap. They got toasted. Quote, did you see that quote that was going around that he said at a press conference about how, like, fumbles just happen? Yeah, I, I see that. Goodness gracious. I mean, again, I don't, I don't know. I, again, I, g g you know, 
was it a game planning thing? Was it schematics? Was it execution? It's the same song and dance every week. And when it gets tiresome and we're talking about the same freaking things every week, then maybe it's time to change the narrative and move on. So we're not. And I, who knows? Who knows what kind of injection and infusion? I agree with Justin Ferguson. Look at it, it may be a small snapshot. Georgia Tech went on the road and beat Pitt. People can laugh about that. That's a Pitt team that won the ACC last year and, and almost beat Tennessee. flag behind you? Yes. Yeah, Pravel okay. Christian. Um, yeah. No, but, but they, they, they're, they're not a bad football team. And Georgia Tech, because of the interim coach, went on the road and beat them. Nebraska, okay? Uh, who was the other team? Colorado, who is the worst football team I've seen in a long time. They go on the road. They win. Arizona State. People just go, oh, it's the Pac-12. It's a joke. They beat Washington, who was ranked. Yeah. doesn't matter who they're beating. They weren't beating those teams before when they had the real coach. Mm-hmm. Now they're beating teams that they weren't beating with the interim coach. What if Auburn caught lightning in a bottle, got excited, and got a few – Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Western Kentucky are all – very, very winnable. After what I saw today on the road against number nine in the country, you adjust some things, get some things cleaned up, and maybe get some energy and enthusiasm and get the, the dark cloud off the program, you could win three more games. Yeah. I think if there is a permanent AD in place, I think that I think it happens. I'm not sure I'm not so sure it happens right now. You're saying if there's a permanent AD I think they fire him. Yeah. See, I think they're direct opposite. I, this is this is what's interesting. This was just fun about the back and forth. I think you don't bring in a permanent AD to fire him. You let the interim AD fire him, and then the the permanent AD gets hired a week or so later after you drop the hammer and let him focus on the new blood and the new coach. I, I wouldn't bring a permanent AD in to do the dirty work. Let the interim, let Rich McGlynn do it, who's been around all year and has seen it up close, has seen this up close and personal. Let him do it tomorrow and then announce the AD Wednesday or Thursday and all eyes and all the, t- the train goes forward, focusing on the new era and the new regime. That's yeah. how I would do it. So you, you say tomorrow, do you mean Sunday? You mean Sunday? Or I'm sorry, today. Today, okay. today, yes, because obviously okay. it's no secret we take this on Saturday. So no, you're again, good. I, I just want to Let's say later on today, like what happened you know, with Gus or whatever. So I, th- that's that's what I think. And I think you let the interim do it. It makes sense to let the interim do it and then hire the, you know, whoever your permanent AD is going to be three or four days later. Yeah, I, I bet it's part of the interview process. Just just my guess. Just my guess. So we'll we'll see what happens in the timing of it all. But, I mean, I'm expecting an ADB name soon, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm actually a little surprised it's taken this long. And there are all those reports, and you know, they're taking their time and, and all of that. Well, um... We'll see if a new AD is named shortly. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is just this is a, this is a bad football team. When you I, say the interview process, I think that's very intriguing. I, I don't want to just gloss over that because you've hit a nugget there, my friend. So, do you see a, a a situation where, when President Roberts is interviewing the new athletic director, he lays out a scenario and says, "Okay, in our current situation with our current head coach and the direction of our football program, what would you do?" Do you see that as I, I mean that's how, how is it not? How does yeah. that not come up in a conversation? I mean, if you're trying to figure out a dude like that's going to lead this, you know, multi-million dollar athletics department, it's like, hey, okay, so we're in kind of a tricky situation here. What how would you, you get us about it? How would you yeah. get us out? What's your plan to get us out now? And then what's your plan for the future? 
Yeah, and, 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 and you don't, don't want to hire somebody that's going to be afraid to come in and fire some. I think that is the most overblown talking point. It's not the most overblown, but it is a overblown talking point, I think. You get some dude, he's going to win the favor of the fan base. If we hired a dude early this week and he he fired Brian Harson at some point. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's not like they don't know, like, okay, if I get this Auburn athletics director job, uh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to cut ties with Brian Harson at some point. Like, I just think it makes more sense if the guy, I just think it makes more sense that the guy that's been here, that's had to suffer through this the last two months up close, up close and personal rather than the outsider that just comes in. Not that the outsider that just comes in would be afraid to do it or wouldn't do it or probably knows enough about the Auburn program that, Hey, this needs to change. But the guy that's been a part of it for the last two months, that's been in the room, that has seen everything, probably even knows things that we don't know. Sure. Let him be the one that does that. And then you go ahead and start a clean, new era, new break moving forward with all eyes locked on the future. In just a second, Daryl, the more I watch Robbie Ashford, the more I like the guy. I want to explain what I mean in just a moment. Right here on Locked on Auburn. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online got me. The line was uh, Auburn plus 14 and a half, and it was right at 14. So they got me. They got me on that one, but that's okay. Bet Online, they've got you covered on any kind of props, odds, lines, whatever you need. Bet Online has you covered. Head over to their website. Just Google Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Robbie Ash, we can say what we want about the kid. And, you know, we've talked about a few of the miscues, and I'm not saying he's perfect. And I'm even not ready to say he's a good quarterback. But I do think, Daryl, there are a lot of traits to his game that could lead to him being a really good college quarterback by the time he's done at Auburn. I think his arm, when he's on and dialed in and understands where he needs to go with it, I think it's good enough. And I think it's only going to get better over the course of the season and the course of his career. Um, I still think the game is moving a little too fast for him, but that's what makes this season so valuable to a guy like Kim. And if you get an offensive-minded coach that actually runs a good offense to come in and help him out and develop him, I think Robbie Ashford has a chance to be a really good, solid option at quarterback for the next two seasons for whoever will be leading this program in 2023 and 2024 and so on. So the guy doesn't give up. The guy is very, he seems very emotional. Like his highs are very high and his lows are very low, but that's part of what this season could be for Robbie Ashford. Go through the highs, go through the lows. I like him. The guy doesn't give up. And I, it seems like his teammates like him. I'm just, the more I watch him, Daryl, because I was pretty like adamant, like, ah, I don't think Robbie's the guy this year. Um, he's won me over. I, I think he has a chance to be a really good quarterback. Yeah, I think there's three attribute three attributes of Robbie Ashford that really line up with what you're saying that I agree with and that I think stand out to me. Number one, you cannot teach or coach the kind of athleticism he has. All right, and then I'll get to that point later. Number two, he's the kind of dude I'd want to go to war with. He's a competitor, man. He doesn't quit. He balls. He cares. He's a warrior. And number three, he's inexperienced. And you go, well, why is that a good attribute? Because he's only going to get better on that aspect. He's only going to get more experience. The mistakes he's making now, yeah. I feel like just in a maturation process will go away. Then let's get back to the coaching. You know and I know 
that good offensive coordinators, good head coaches, and good quarterback coaches can impact quarterback play and help quarterbacks get better. Look at Hendon Hooker. Look at some other guys that have evolved and have gotten better with good coaching. When you have the tools, now you have to have the tools to work with, and I think he does have the God-given tools and ability. So the fact that he's going to get more experience, is going to get older, is going to mature just by the natural age of right the aging process. Get a coach in here that's a quarterback whisperer. Think about a guy like Mike Leach. Not that we're always going to hire Mike Leach, but let's think about Will Rogers. How much he's improved. Mm-hmm. Hendon Hooker. How much he's improved. You get guy. I mean Stetson Bennett. I mean, are you kidding me? That guy got good quarterback coaching. Got good. So and he doesn't have half the athleticism that Robbie has. Hendon Hooker wasn't even like the dude for Tennessee. He wasn't the dude for Virginia season. Tech, and Virginia Tech is terrible. Yeah. So crazy. what is this? So, so I think you're right on point with that. There's certain things you can't t- teach his athleticism, his competitiveness, and he will get better with the maturation process. He's got thrown into the fire as a redshirt freshman, didn't play a lick for Oregon last year. And look at some of the plays he's making. Imagine yeah. him two or three years from now with good coaching, good training, good practices under his belt, a whole offseason, all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of talk that. New coach comes in. Well, Auburn have to go to the portal. I don't necessarily think so. Maybe I mean you do just for maybe because we've learned with the Calzada thing that it's always nice to have another quarterback, even if it's somebody to push him, you know, and well, just to have I, that I fallback. Think, um, I, I don't see Robbie going anywhere because he'll probably be the favorite to start. I don't think Calzada's going anywhere. That's what I'm hearing. Is he likes Auburn? He just wants to play for the next coach, which is <laughs> wow. Um, and then we'll see what Gurner does. Gurner may leave if Harson gets fired. That that may happen. I don't know. I haven't been like told that. Just kind of he likes be like he came here for Harson. So we'll see what that looks like. But yeah, you may have to go get a guy or two. And like, there's especially not, if there's, there's not a yeah, quarterback you, in this recruiting class. Currently, there's not. So. And if the posse kid is a Harson guy and he doesn't end up signing with Auburn because Harson leaves, then I you've, think the twenty four guys are nil. I don't think they're leaving. I think there's gotcha. an NIL situation. And there's still another one out there in Aaron Nolan that's 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 in play, too, mm-hmm. and it would be really special. So, yeah, get the right coach with the right coaching and the right quarterback development, and it could be – and I like the running back room next year, too. I mean, I know we're already thinking next year, but I'm trying to stay positive. I've seen Cobb play again in person, and he's the kind of freshman back like Judkins and some of these other guys that can come oh in gosh. and make an immediate impact. And I like Demari Austin on those jet sweeps. Hunter, Austin, and Cobb. Yes, I love Ooh, it. I like it a lot. Here. Yeah, he reminds me of that jet sweep. He, you know, he he's a he's a and he's got a little um he loves Auburn, Demari does, and he's I I like that kid a lot. So I think the future's bright. You get some offensive linemen yeah. maybe in the portal. That's the key. Um, and yeah. who knows? You can turn this thing around pretty quickly. I'm not going to be all doom and gloom. Not in this day and age. No, I think it, I, I saw enough way. today that gives me hope for the future as far as talent on the roster, if utilized correctly. Yeah, and, and all the receivers that are doing anything will be back. Um, Amari Kelly, boy, what Ooh. a surprise he's been. Like him a lot, yeah. Boy Moore, I don't believe, can transfer right now. So like he's, right. he's got to stay. Um, Camden Brown, you got to think he'll come back. And so there's just and, a lot of youth. And, and then like the, the older guy that you're class. leaving. Yeah. The recruiting yeah. class. Um, got for some sure. good ones. And then, uh, yeah, like you'll lose Shedrick Jackson, but like, hmm. he's, he's yeah. losing reps like crazy. So, um, 
Yeah, I mean, it was a loss and like even more like, you know, I'm not big on moral victories, but mm-hmm. it did feel better. Did you see what Ole Miss tweeted out after the game? I did not. I was in route. Um, no, you're good. They, uh, yeah. they, they, they tweeted out. Also, we found this in the drafts, and it's the graphic that we originally put up where we lost 41 to 12 to Penn State and then deleted it. Gosh. <laughs> and, and it's all Auburn people under like, thank you, because our guys won't post it. Like, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. I just, uh, I just, I, I, I missed that because I had to get here so that I wouldn't have a china uh, cabinet behind me. You know. Yeah, your china cabinet's become a little famous. Well, I, I, I do want to give a little shout out to our, one of our listeners and our, our viewers, Sam. He said he wanted to see me do a description and breakdown. Let me just say this so that there's no more. If I have to do the show from that, so that there's no question, I'm an Italian dude from the north. What I know about china is bowl or plate for my spaghetti. And cup and saucer for my cannolis and coffee. That's about it. I don't know anything else behind me with all that Southern China stuff. It's just, uh, it's a mystery to me. So thanks for pointing that out, Sam. We appreciate it. That's hilarious. Yeah. And on the other side of Daryl's camera, when he records by the China cabinet is pretty much every animal you could possibly imagine. Yeah. I, uh, it's two by two, my friend. I keep looking out the window for that flood at my house. Yeah. No, Noah's got nothing on you. Uh, Daryl, thank you so much for your time as always. Um, should have asked you this before. Are we going to do this for the bye week? Do you want to do a bye week edition next week? Or are we taking the week off next week? I'll be out of town. So okay. we'll uh, I'll actually, off. yeah, we'll take the week off. I'll actually be on a train, I think. So cool. So yeah, so yeah. no morning after next weekend for Auburn's bye week, but we will return after Auburn takes on Arkansas two weeks from now. So just a quick yeah. programming note on the fly there. So Auburn falls to Old Miss. We will see what the potential fallout is in regards to Brian Harson and the rest of this coaching staff and how the team responds going into the bye week every single day right here on Locked on Auburn throughout the week. If you made it this far into the video, please click that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or any podcast app. Make sure you're subscribed. And if, uh, if you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a five-star review. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Locked on Auburn.